Hi, I'm Hannah Durden and you're listening to the Outdoors Group podcast. This podcast is a call to arms to get children and young people outside again. It's your one-stop shop for all things outdoor, child, young person and education related. Thanks for tuning in. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Richard Gooding and Phil Watson, who are both Royal Navy veterans and mountain leaders with the Moreland Guides Cooperative on Dartmoor. They are both passionate about sharing Dartmoor with as many people as possible and in giving something back to their local communities. They've kindly spared some time from their busy schedules to talk to me today about their work as Moreland Guides and facilitating access to the moors for people of all ages and from all walks of life. Thanks for joining me, guys. Okay, pleasure. Actually, we did just talk about this a little bit before we started recording, but um, I'd like to start by asking your journey to being a mountain leader. Um, and I, I think I just said about you're both ex-forces and whether that's any impact in what you guys are doing now. I, I could repeat what I said before we started <laughs> recording, but actually it's, it's quite interesting that the, the my life in the forces probably didn't influence me to become to get involved with the outdoors and certainly hills and moorlands and mountains. Uh, I just had that joy right from the beginning, you know, when I was a, a teenager, I used to go, we used to live near the Lake District, so I, my weekends I used to go up there and do things like that. Uh, and uh, actually, in, in many ways, the forces took away from it a little bit because, you know, when they shove, shove a big heavy bag on your back and give you a rifle to carry, it sort of takes away some of the joy. Yes. <laughs> I don't, know, don't know what you think, Richard. No, no, you're right. And, and I think you're right what you said. My love from walking, especially on Dartmoor, mm-hmm. came up born in Torquay and um, my dad used to take me up um, before I even joined so mm. so it was that sort of love I think you're right the Navy does stifle it and but when I was on board ship that's what made me become a mountain leader because mm. I could see there was a um, you're stuck away for six months on a, mm. a tin can really you come home and uh, all these guys were stuck in the ship so it, mm. I, I did it to get the guys up on the moors to, I also did mountain biking as well to get them up there and to give them a, a half a day or a day out on the moors yeah. which they all seem to love and uh, I, mm. I love just getting away it was just getting up on the moors did the ships mostly come into Plymouth so yeah. you're within stone's throw to go right we're going up here for a day absolutely yeah. and that was one good thing that the military does do they love their um their activity training so it was easy to get hold of or mountain bikes or just to get hold of backpacks to go up there for a walk yeah. and everything and they would they would you know facilitate getting you up there and uh, leaving you there for a day or so and it was, it was fantastic yeah very good awesome and uh, phil why did you become a mountain leader then after your uh, career um i say that the interest while i was in the services I, I, for a while i was running a volunteer band at hms collingwood in in, in fairham and uh, I had a bit of time on my hands. I wanted to take the guys away, so I went and did a mountain leaders course there. But when I actually left the services, I got involved with tent horse training on Dartmoor. Uh, my youngest daughter, Julia, was involved in it. And I used to go and help there. And uh, we fa- I found out that they used to take them away for residentials to Snowdonia or Lake District and pay a mountain leader lots and lots of money. So I thought, well, <laughs> so I, thought, well I didn't do it yeah. to, to earn lots and lots of money, but I thought, if I go and get trained up, you know, I can take the group away with me, which uh, I did a few times. Yeah. So that was, that, was, that was my motivation for doing it. And, and, and I think really, when I, when I get a hobby, I like to sort of take it as far as I can. <laughs> <laughs> Don't just do it half-assed, half, half no. as it were. <laughs> um, just for people not listening from Devon, can one of you guys explain what the Ten Tours is? Well, yeah, Ten Tours is, is an event organised by the Army, actually, uh, whereby... Um, 
teenagers uh, in, in sort of three age groups who get the, the younger group will actually walk 35 miles over a period of two days mm. and it's unaided so they go in groups of six and they have to camp overnight and so they th there's a lot of training to get to that standard and they have to learn navigation team team leadership and uh, motivation because you know the conditions on Dartmoor can be fairly horrendous at times especially as we train throughout the winter uh, and then there's, when they get older they do it the older group do 45 miles in two days then the the very older teenage ones do up to 55 miles over two days. Yeah. Which is loads. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of comparable to the Duke of Edinburgh gold expedition kind of thing? It, it is. It's slightly different in, in as much as it's much more focused on the actual expedition. Because, yeah. you know, the, the, all the training is towards walking these two day, uh, this, this two day event. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, and and they once they're on their way, they're you know they're sort of totally self sufficient. Yeah, yeah. no grown ups around. Yeah. <laughs> mm. um, so obviously you've spoken about the teenagers and for you, Richard, the guys on the ship. But now, what kinds of people and groups are you guys taking out on Dartmoor? And do you have any favourite groups that you like to work with? Oh, I definitely can say um, <laughs> we do. There's there's two different groups on on Dartmoor at the moment. There's a Dartmoor National Park Authority which do all the schools um, and education, where the Moreland Guides will, will take anybody. They take foreign schools and everything. Yeah. Um, and with Dartmoor National Park Authority, um, you do all ages. So you do primary schools and you do up. But it's a primary school for me. I love taking them up. They're Aww. so <laughs> enthusiastic. Yeah. The only thing I, I'm quite surprised about, most of them are from the Devon area. And you might get about 25 people up there, mm. 25 children. Yeah. And then you say to them, how many people have been up here before? And you'll probably get four or five that have actually wow. put their hand up into that. But it's just the looks, and they do enjoy it up there. Yeah. I think it's it's got them away from the computers and at home and and just given a bit of fresh air. Yeah. And they can sort of like, uh, not run wild, but they can run around a bit and it just gives them a, a nice day out and fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Good. Oh, awesome. Uh, I concur totally with what Richard's saying. I mean... You know, sometimes they do run wild as well. <laughs> I did a group up last week and, and it's been raining heavily all night mm. and there's puddles everywhere. And of course, these nine-year-old kids, uh, they don't walk around the puddles. No. But it's puddle, yeah, splash. <laughs> it's, it's great fun. Yeah. I just wish I kept uh, a book. I'm going to do it for all the sayings and everything that they... All the little get, things they come, get, come up with. Come <laughs> with yeah. and some of them are absolutely fantastic. It makes me laugh all the yeah. time. So it's really good, yeah. Yeah. Is your favourite demographic the same then, the kids? Um, I think I think it probably is actually. I, I do like the, the junior school kids because they they're just so innocent and they react to it. Mm. Uh, and and I again, what Richard's saying. Sometimes I had a group from Plymouth. Uh, it was a, I think it was a special needs school, and I don't think any of them have been out of the city ever in their lives. Yeah. And suddenly they arrive on Dartmoor, mm. and they're just absolutely amazed at the open spaces and, and the freedom that there is up there. You know. Uh, so that's a great, it's a great age yeah. group to, to work with. Yeah. What do you think stops people who are in Devon accessing the moors? Do you think it's just money, like cost of fuel and things, or knowledge, or a bit of everything? I, I don't know. I just, I just think it's the lifestyle. It's the yeah. way they are. Okay. Um, you know, children will come home, and the first thing you want to do, and parents want to be on social media. Yeah. They yeah. want to do this. So, so taking a whole day up onto the moors, where sometimes you don't get any, uh, <laughs> you know, any um, phone. 
things or anything like that. It's it's. I just think it is. Mm. It's it's until you actually take them out of the comfort zone, you take them up there, and then they realise what a good place it what is. And, place, yeah. yeah. I think the other thing as well, because I you know I, I have a, my own adult walking group I take, um, which has been very very popular. And sometimes too many people want to come, and, and the the thing that well, there's two aspects to it that, that people like to come for. One is a social aspect. Because mm. what better way to get to know people than just walking and, sp- and talking? Mm. And the other thing is, is you take them, uh, you talked about out of your comfort zone. Most people like to stay in sight of the car. They don't have the navigation skills. And what I like to do is to take them somewhere a bit more wild, yeah. where they wouldn't dare, dare go on their own. Yeah. And, and maybe encourage them to be a bit more brave, to get a map out and try and start to learn to read it. And you know, open the access of the moors to them, and and a few of them have done that actually. Now, mm. some of the girls I've taken out there, I say girls are in their forties. <laughs> you know, they now go out on their own. You know, yeah. they'll plan a route. Sometimes they throw it past me. Phil, is that that look like a good route? Yeah, yeah, brilliant route. You know, give it a go. Let me know how you got on. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Mm. Awesome. Um, Richard, uh, particularly you've been doing some stuff with Help for Heroes. How did that kind of come about, and what 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 can you tell us about it? What you do with the Help for Heroes on Dartmoor? Well, it originally started with Dartmoor National Park Authority with a guy called Orlando Rutter, who whose original idea it was. Yeah. He's now left, but uh, his idea was to use the malls. We're not using it for well-being, mm. and it is we. All the guides will tell you when they're up there and they've done a walk, you feel so much better at the end yeah. of the day. So his idea was to to use that for, for people who um, probably wouldn't get up there in the normal sense of the, the word. And uh, he had a couple of contacts with the military, with um, Hope for Heroes. And there's also another um, place in, in uh, Drake called Hasler, which are for serving people that have got problems, mental problems. So I contacted them and uh, for the first year we sort of went up there and it was a case of to see would it be good enough for them, would they like it yeah. and everything. And uh, it went quite well. So this year we've really sort of then said, well, okay, we're split into two groups because there's some guys that are physically demanding and some guys are mentally and, and, and problems. Yeah. So what we do is we take one week with a, a short walk for the for the guys that are physical and then the next week we do a bit longer yeah. for guys that just want to get up there and walk and talk. Yeah. And, and it's absolutely brilliant. And um, this year our average has been about five each time. Yeah. So we get between five and ten. And how is, often do you go? We do it every Thursday. Okay. Oh, every um, week? Yeah, every yeah, week okay. we do it. And uh, it's been quite a good success talking to the people at the end and saying, well, you know, because we always have a wash up and say, well, is that good for you? Are you yeah. happy with it? Is there anything we can prove? And uh, most of them say, yeah, really enjoy it. It's yeah. just a case of, and to get out, to get out for a walk, let's say, have a chat and all that. And not about the problems. It's about just ordinary, everyday stuff. Yeah. We, we do put the world to rights. Yes. And we've done that. We we now know the way forward to, to sort every problem <laughs> there is going. So, yeah. But get you to COP27. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so you do a bit of rehabilitation as well if you're working with guys that are, you said you're doing shorter walks sometimes. Is that like yes. as part of their physio or whatever to do a bit of a walk? Or? Yes, yes it is. Um, it's the the big thing I wanted to, when I first asked these guys about Hope for Heroes and all that is is what would be my role. And yeah. they just said, no, your role is, is nothing to... 
you take them on a small guiding, course yeah. and what we do is we, we grade the courses to level one, level three yeah. so they know exactly and I send out all the information to say um, what sort of paths we are, whether it's grass, whether it's open moors, yeah. how far it's going to go, whether it's up or down hills. Yeah. So they know from from what, what, what they can they yeah. can what they're capable of, yeah. and um, they will. They'll either say sometimes they'll say, well, that that was you know that really pushed me that I did, but I that's the sort of distance I want, and then yeah. I know for next time. Yeah. how far to go and what to do so yeah you've got the same people often coming back time and time again yes they yes. are yes yeah. yes we have we have one guy that just loves it absolutely he's, he's quite well um badly disabled as well okay so he he turns up all the time and the worst thing you can ever say to him is we're not going up on that road because that's too difficult because then the next thing you see he's halfway up there <laughs> no come back you know we're gonna go this way uh, yeah very good so yeah that's awesome um, Phil, earlier you mentioned about facilitating the young people working towards their 10 tours, but can you tell me what you what else you love about it and how is it different to the other groups that you take out? I don't know whether you're doing any of it at the moment. No, but it, just listening to Richard talking about the Help Heroes, it's a very similar sort of thing in a way, is that you're developing people and, and, and just, you know, giving them something back, if you like. And and with the 10 tours... Um, I mean, some people do it year after year, but the ones who do it are new. I mean, it always takes place in May in, mm. the, in the year. Uh, and we normally start training in the previous September. Yeah. And when you can imagine you're getting these sort of 13, 14-year-olds, never been walking before, and after the first mile, they're <laughs> complaining, saying, oh, how long have you got to um, But by, you know, by about Christmas time, when we start introducing the camping, um, by by then, you, you can see them begin to gel as a group. Yeah. And and they start, you know, learning to work together as a team. Mm-hmm. And and then early in the, in the new year, you start seeing the, the those with, like, a leadership skill. So, you, can, you know, yeah, that's a person to put in charge of that group. Somebody else would be really good at navigation. So you get a couple of people to do the navigation. Then you get the joker, you know, somebody who's always... Always happy, you know, nothing can get them down, yeah. no matter if it's raining and, and they're soaked to the skin, they're still in cracking jokes and, and the motivated. Yeah, and so there's so many different skills they learn mm. um, over the course of it. And by the time you, you get to May, they're a close-knit team. Yeah. And it's just so great to, to see mm. them go off and do that. And, you know, what they learn, they learn self-motivation, they learn le- uh, teams, teamwork, mm. they, they learn leadership skills. And then, and then all the campcraft skills as well as navigation skills. So it's actually it's actually life learning, if you like, and uh, you know it sets them up for life. And I think, without exception, the kids I've I've seen after they've done it are different. They've, yeah. they've changed mm. quite dramatically. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So they start camping at Chris, like at Christmas time in the worst weather. In about January time. It's that so camping, by the time yeah. they're camping in May, they're probably loving it. Oh yeah, it's great. Weather, yeah. <laughs> And uh, yeah. So you're on. camping with them at first, you and other leaders. Like... We we can, the team. We just normally have a training team. Yes. Yeah. I mean, uh, so, some some teams only have a single, like a school teacher doing it. But yeah. we always had two or three people um, out with the with the group. Yeah. And of course, when we when we're at, when we're camping, we try and take a female leader as well if we've got girls camping with us. Yeah. Um, in fact, my wife's done it in January in minus eight conditions. <laughs> and, uh, she thanked me greatly for that. <laughs> And in terms of like accessibility for kids from schools doing it, their schools provide the equipment because obviously lightweight camping gear is quite expensive, right? It it can be yes. Uh, that's 
some schools, I mean, some of the colleges, like the service colleges, will provide the equipment, and you get like the like your Eton College alternate in matching rucksacks and in matching sort of <laughs> uh, and all the rest of it. But for the teams we we ran, we ran a group from Dart Dartmouth called Dartmoor. Um, the uh, what do you call them? What do you call them? I can't remember. Dartmoor Trekkers. That's right. Okay. Dartmoor Trekkers. Uh, and really, we said to them, "Look, this is a kit list," and then they they should go out and, and buy it themselves. You know, yeah. we used to have a, a certain amount of kit that which you could we could lend to people. Yeah. Uh, but generally speaking, you know, it was a bit of an investment for the parents to to yeah. to get themselves get the kids out. Yeah. Is that something you'd like to do again if the opportunity presents? Yeah, I I, I would do if you know if if I found a need somewhere. You know, I mean, mm. I know. A certain person not sitting very far from me who home educates their children <laughs> has asked about a home ed team, you know, and yeah. that, that'd, that'd be fine actually. Yeah. yeah, I'd be great to do that. Not for my yeah. eldest, she's too grumpy. <laughs> <laughs> the boys would like it though, which is it sounds like I'm being sexist, but it's not, it's just their personality. <laughs> Last one we went up to Dartmoor, she um, had a bit of a tantrum because she stepped in a cow poo, um, <laughs> to which I had no sympathy. <laughs> well, you do know where we were. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, to be fair, she does love Dartmoor, I think. Just um, <laughs> not so much the poo and the rain. <laughs> um, what is it about Dartmoor that you guys both love, though? Um, like, what is it that brings you there time and time again? I think it's, it's like anything. Once you go up there, it's such a beautiful place. And some of the views are fantastic. Mm. They really are. And it's, it's always, to me, it's always a sense of accomplishment. It's, it's funny how when you wake up in the morning, when you're going to go for a walk... The first thing you think is, oh, no, I don't want to do this. <laughs> I really want to just stay in bed or I can yeah. stay at home all the time. But once you've gone and done it and you, you see these places, it is a sense of accomplishment. Yeah. And, and like I say, it is a beautiful place. It really yeah. is. We don't know what we've got in our own backyard. No. And, and how many times have people said, have you been here? It's fantastic. And you go, and it's just around the corner. No, I haven't. Yeah. So it, it started a, a while back for me to go up there. And, uh, yeah, it, it just, it is great. Going yeah. to go and have a walk yeah. and see the place itself, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, th- I think it's two two aspects of the moors. I mean, it's probably a lot more if I thought about it. But um, one of them, I mean, and I go I go to the Lake District, Snowdonia, and, you know, occasionally to Scotland, walking in the, in the mountains, where there's always lots of people. Dartmoor is still a true true wilderness. Mm. You can actually go, I, I mean, I've, I know walks that I take people on, where you won't see another soul mm. all day. And there's very few places in England that you can do that now, but it is a wilderness. You know, there's there's no tracks, there's no signposts at all. You know, once you get off the moors, and that is there's something special about that. Mm. And and when the mist comes down and people go, oh, that's another sight, it's another face of Dartmoor, which is still lovely. You know, mm. and and there's something to learn about it all the time. And I think the other thing about Dartmoor, I just love, is just just full of history. Yes. Wherever you turn, there's there's remains of. Bronze Age settlements and medieval settlements, uh, and you come across them by almost mm. by accident at times. You know, mm. evidence of tin mining, which happened two or three hundred years ago, um, the mines and everything, and it's just uh, an amazing place, uh, so full of uh, surprises, and yet still peace as well. You know, yeah. a lot of peace there. Yeah, I love it when you climb a big hill and you turn around to take a breath at the top, and then you see all the same the the, uh, the circles on the opposite side of the hill yeah, that you hadn't noticed because yeah. you were too busy climbing up and then you're like oh yeah I mean, cool. I mean since since i've become a mooring guide and everything that 
you realise what they were. Yeah. I mean, I used to go up, like I say, used to do lots of walking up there, but didn't know. I used to walk past them. And yeah. it's yeah. only now becoming a morning guide. And if you're with other people, especially, they go, oh, do you realise yeah. what that is? And then you, mm. when they explain it to you, it's fantastic. And you think, crikey, yeah. Because yeah. then like, what... So, Morland guides, you've got guides that specialise in different things, haven't you? Different people yes. that know a bit more. Well, about it's, it's just it's people, think... to people's interest, isn't it? Yes. People have interest yeah. in groups. You know, we've got somebody who's interested in, in mine or the mines in Dartmoor, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. Mike, and, and we've got other people who are like flora and fauna specialists. You mm-hmm. know, some people like the folklore mm-hmm. tales and folk tales yeah. and things. But also, it's when you find something and somebody tells you, you go away and I, I, I keep buying books. I've got a mm. big <laughs> extension. When I read about it as well, mm. to, to make yeah. uh, it's so interesting the different things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, and there's so much being Britain. You know, think think about that. There's you know, you, and with with the internet now, you can go, Google yeah. a subject and whack it up. It comes. You yeah, know? yeah, and uh, people. I don't think they realise it's there, actually. No. I don't realise Dartmoor's there, as you no. say, but they don't realise the information's there, just to bring it alive when you go up there, you know? Mm. Um, you probably can't answer this, but do you have a favourite spot on Dartmoor? <laughs> oh, crikey. Um, mine is out of the way. I, I love the bits where most people would say, like, that one of the best views is Coxtor, which it really is. You can look mm, down over yeah. uh, most of it. I just like it when you're in a, a valley... Perhaps maybe in very few woods, but some of the woods are like, oh, like mm. Wisman's Woods. So mm. I think it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah. I love going there. It's such a special place. Yeah. So it's probably mine, I think. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've been asked this question so many times <laughs> and I really, I really can't. I'm stuck for an answer, really, because yeah. it's just... It, too many to choose. It's too, yeah. too many to choose from, yeah. You know, where you are on the day. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, where you are on the day, absolutely. That's and, a good answer. Yeah, and, <laughs> and sometimes when the sun's shining and you, you can see for miles, that's fantastic. Then sometimes when the mist comes down mm. and, and you get this sort of, it'll clear, then go back again. And it's, it's got a, uh, it has its own atmosphere, which just, it's just exciting. And actually when you say that to people, people are out walking with, they go, ooh, the mist is down. Then you just you even got to say to them, yeah, but that's one of the that's one of the characters of Dartmoor. Yeah, yeah. And they go, oh yes, and you can sort of see the enlightenment. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. This is where folk tales come from. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We um in the summer I walked out with a friend from Princetown and we were going to wild camp and we'd we'd seen on one of these things like a, a good swimming spot. And we were so excited because it had been a glorious day and I left Newton Abbott and it was sunny and we got up to Princeton and I thought, oh, it's not looking very good. And by the time we pitched the tent, we couldn't see more than about 10 foot around us. But, you know, we didn't swim, but we still had a fantastic time, even yeah. though we were in, in this yeah. tent surrounded by mist for a night. But, yeah. Well, next year we'll find the swimming spot. Yeah. <laughs> um, so obviously you guys love Dartmoor and we've just heard a little bit about your passion. What's it like facilitating kind of access for groups that haven't had these experiences what, what do you like about introducing people to Dartmoor for the first time well I think it's their watching their reaction yeah and again I think um going up there from a uh from what you're used to in a house and you're not mm. used to going out onto the moors and you see them and like I say you see the children running around and they, they think it's fantastic and, yeah. and just to see that them happy makes you happy yeah and it, it brings you all sort of like a well, the whole, what we're talking about, the well-being, it just yeah. makes you feel really good up there. Yeah. It really does, yeah. Mm. It, it, yeah, it's, I, th- I think it is actually sometimes when you take people just away and they lose sight of their cars mm. and they they look at you and thinking... I mean, <laughs> I remember taking a, f- a friend of mine. It's one of the early days of my walking group. Um, 
and we left f- from uh, Peacock, which is not far mm. from Dunn's Cross, uh, and it was a horrible, wet, misty, rainy day. Yeah. And we walked down to Ellsborough Tin Mine, and then down to Coombs Head Tours, it that one there, yeah. Mm-hmm. And as we went down the hill uh, from from Ellsborough Tin Mine, it's it just thick mist. Mm. You know, and of course I just got the compass out just to check which way we were going, and. Uh, his friend Chris, who'd never been on the moors ever in his life, <laughs> baptism of fire, he said, Phil, are we lost? I said, no. He said, how do you know we're not lost? I said, I said, well, the, the tour we're going is just right ahead of us. I said, if, you get a, if we get a clearance in the mist, uh, you'll see it. And as I said that, there's just a clearance in the mist. <laughs> and there it was, the tour, yeah. you know. And he went, oh, really? <laughs> but, you know, that, that sort of... Yeah. Introducing people to the wild, yes, yeah, yeah. the wildness of it all, and yeah. but the and showing them that it's accessible. Yeah, it, it is. Yes. You know, that's yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, And I guess for those kids as well, like if they are living in towns and cities, there's not many big spaces where they can run and not worry about getting in yeah. someone's way or mm. running into a road. So it must be quite magic for them to see this massive space and be like, oh, actually, mm. yeah. we can run here. We can. And it's free. Yeah. You know, for, yeah. for families and that to go up mm. there. There's so many park. There's a couple of car parks where you've got to pay. But They're not many, yeah. There's not many. And there's other places mm. you can go where it is free. Yeah. Dartmoor National mm. Park has tried to do that, where if there's a paying car park not far from it, there's it'd be one free that's. One, yeah, yeah mm. a free one. So, yeah. so it is free and it's a, you can do it all day. It's not yeah. a case of, you know. Yeah, and although, you know, you, you can, they can spend thousands of pounds on, on kids playgrounds play with all the nice wooden swings and mm. climbing frames and that take a group of kids on on up to a tour yes yeah. oh, they'll spend the whole day there climbing on yeah. rocks you know yeah uh, and it's just uh, there's something about climbing on something natural i think which yeah uh, yeah which is really special really cool yeah yeah, yeah. and for so you're saying that uh the you guys is it do you say it was for Dartmouth national park or moreland guides where you do the foreign uh, the students from other countries that have come to do their English speaking trips um, that's like, yeah that's Morning Guides Morning Guides have taken that on there's been a gentleman agreement between National Park and Morning Guides and it's worked quite well so the Morning Guides will take on anybody apart from schools yeah. in, in the education stuff and Dartmoor National Park yeah. but it, before um, Brexit we were doing quite well I was going to um, say obviously it's changed since Covid and Brexit mm. yeah so Covid, obviously, they they were restricted, but mm. also Brexit is it's like the man, um, Simon Delu runs more and guys was mm. telling us that uh, the paperwork is quite yeah. more intense now. But we were talking about it the other day, and uh, we said that the, where they're going now from France is they're going to Ireland because that's still part of the EU. Oh, okay, yeah. But that's a nine-hour trip mm. on yeah. a ferry. Yeah. Along, and I can tell you from the Royal Navy, going past Land's End, past Fastlane to nice. get to, mm. it's the worst place you could go. And he's already seen people that were, uh, the French schools that were doing that start to come back. Okay. Because yeah. I think if you're going to take a day to go there, a day to yeah. come back, mm. and you're seasick, it's yeah. not the best not thing. Nice. Yeah. Well, what I was going to ask about was about taking kids with whose English isn't their first language. How how does that work if they're not speaking very much English? Like, does it? Do you find it a challenge, or is it nice to say? We make, I mean, we make I, them speak I'm the, English. I'm assuming you don't speak much French, but maybe you're both fluent in French. Uh, no. <laughs> None. No. None. No. Whatsoever. I, I mean, with, with me, I, I I just for a bit of fun, I started learning learning a bit of French. Yeah. And uh, I, I, what the, I used to get the kids right on the side. I said, right, you you want to learn English and I want to learn French. So I'm going to try on my best to speak French and I want you to correct me, you know. And so we, the rest of the day was just 
that bit of yeah. fun mm. banter. I say, how, how yeah. do you say this? You know, yeah. and they and they love that. You know, because yeah. yeah. people at a slight disadvantage. That's a, that's a rule for life, isn't it? Yeah, put yourself at a slight disadvantage. People yeah. Will, yeah. will help you. These uh, French schools, they come over and because they, they stay, they're over for a week and they stay with uh, British families. Yeah. And the whole idea is they don't talk um, French. Yeah. They've got to talk English. Yeah. So I went up in the morning. There's usually one or two. There's a, um, one, the teachers obviously will talk English. Yeah. And there's usually one or two that are very good. In mm. fact, I've had a lot of expats that have gone across, stayed there. Oh, they're, right. they're British yeah. anyway, but in French schools. Mm. And they will um, translate because obviously, yeah. It must be harder because I speak Jano language and <laughs> Devon local, so they probably have to change that into English before they can yeah. change that into French. So. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Good. Yeah, I mean, we've been mainly with more than guys, mainly French, although I've done an Icelandic group, I've done a, oh, a, a yeah. f- uh, Finnish group, mm-hmm. and um, so one of our guides works with a language school, the mm. German language school, and yeah. uh, I've done a couple of walks for her. But the German students are just all perfect English. Yeah. Mm. You know, I think yeah. Dartmoor must be quite tame if you come from Iceland. Yeah. <laughs> With that uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, I suppose it must be, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they yeah. must be like, oh, yeah. this is quaint. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, certainly their, their sort of tour guide was, uh, he looked like a Viking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's quite an elderly group. Belonged in the medieval yeah. village. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was going to ask about changes that you've seen in people's mood after they spent time on the moors but i think we've kind of covered it a bit already um so often people say you know certainly the the adults will say i was talking to somebody last saturday i had a group out walking and i think it was a i'm trying to think who it was now but lady was saying how i've been having a real tough time but this 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 is so therapeutic Mm. i can come and just leave it all at home you know and come out for sort of you know we did quite a longish walk about I say longish, about eight miles, mm. so about four and a half hours. Yeah, and uh, and she said it was just a therapy, you know. Mm. Yeah, so th- there is that side of it, isn't yeah. there? Yeah, I've I've got one guy who used to come out. He's still serving in the navy, but he's got awful troubles with um, family problems and everything like mm. that. Mm. And he said to me at the end, we did a, a quite a, a fairly long walk, so it was about sort of five hours something like that. Yeah. And come back, and he says, "Do you realise?" He says, "I've not thought once about my troubles." Aww. He says, "Because I've been out here." Yeah. yeah. Because we're talking about other things. Yeah. He says it's just nice to have a break from what I'm normally if yeah. I'm. Because he lives actually on board uh, in HMS Drake all the time, and he says it's just nice to get out and, and think about something different. So, yeah. So that was good news. That was good. Yeah, and I'm sh- I'm sure even with it, like with the kids, you know, that yeah, there's a lot of stress on kids now at school, and mm. you know, with Facebook sort of bullying and all that yeah. sort of thing, yeah. and they come out in the moors, and you know, they're battling the elements, so, mm. so they, yeah. it takes them away from yeah. from from all that. Niff yeah. math and trivia, if you like. Yeah. It's not that it's you know it's important. It's a serious thing, but you know once they're out, you know trying to keep warm and you know out of the rain and that and mm-hmm. pitching a tent in the in the wind, it, it's you know, it just everything else goes in you know yeah. becomes second place, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Someone else who came on the podcast was talking about it being an equaliser. Like yeah, that's that's a good yeah. word. Treats yeah, everyone really, the same, doesn't it? That's a really yeah. good good way of putting it. Yeah. Doesn't matter whether you've got a fancy pants coat on or a second-hand no. old one, you're still going to get rained on. <laughs> yeah. 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 And occasionally you get you get people who, especially in the school groups, um, you, you know, you'll you'll take them out for a walk, and they'll be out of a class of say twenty four, there'll be twenty three really bouncy. Full of energy. Yeah. There'd be one at the back who's cold and shivering, you know. Yeah. Um, but 
yeah, that's that's the nature, isn't yeah, it? That's nature it. Game, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Um, was there anything else? I've got three last questions coming up, but just very short ones. But is there anything else you guys wanted to talk about that we haven't covered? I think we've covered most of it. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. just it's just something I think we need to publicise a lot more. Mm. Is is Dartmoor uh, and all over mm. the places like you were saying about the Lake yeah. District, we've got all this fantastic place there. It's mm. free, mm. and I think we need to get more people involved, more people to to talk about it and say, yeah. that, you know, yeah. just just try it. Just yeah. at least come up and have a go and have a walk around or something. And yeah. I'm sure you get a lot more people up there. I think if you're well prepared, got the right gear to wear, yes. it's, it's, it's actually a safe place to be. Yeah. I was just thinking about, you know, when I've taken young people up to you know, Snowdonia and, and done some serious scrambles with them, uh, you know, that is a bit a bit more danger involved there because, yeah. you know, a, a mistake could end up with, a, you know, a, an injury or worse, you know. But, yeah. but Dartmoor, there's very few places that, it, that you can have a, a fall, for instance. Mm. Yeah, you can break a leg still, but... <coughs> Um, but yeah, but apart from that, it's a, it's just a, it's such a marvelous place to be. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today, guys. I'm just mm. going to ask you three quick questions um, to finish off, and the first <laughs> one is, how do you relax? I don't know who wants to go first. Oh. I mean, actually relax by going on the home. I, home. Home. <laughs> yeah, I thought that might be your answer. Yeah, yeah, but, but I mean, obviously, when I'm at home, it's it's just the normal things. I do read a bit and yeah. and uh, watch a telly, like yeah. everybody else. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's probably my <laughs> relaxation. Well, I I relax by doing what was my job for years. Uh, I either play the piano or play the piano accordion. Yeah, I just that's mm. to me. I just can just switch off. Switch off. Yeah. Um, and what are you either reading or listening to right now? So either books or music or podcasts or anything. I I'm, it, it seems seems weird, but I'm well into um, people's um, fight against um, natural resources. So there's a couple of books I read. I like reading the ones. There's one called uh, "As Far as My Legs Will Carry Me" about a guy after the war, the okay. Second World War, who mm. walked all the way from Siberia oh, back wow. to Germany. He was wow. a German officer, okay. and it's just that thing and I like reading things about Scott and mm. and uh, Shackleton and stuff like that. Yeah. So real life mm. um, yeah. um factual yeah information I do like reading yeah. that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I'm not a great great fictional reader, you know. Yeah. Uh, I'm a bit more that Richard I like I like stories like like that. I mean mm. at the moment I've, I normally have two books going on at, at once, so I just like that. Um one I'm reading is is called um, Hostile Habitats and it's 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 about all the nature in scotland you know mm-hmm. about mountains and flora fauna all the rest of it weather uh, and then i'm also reading <laughs> a book of essays by c.s lewis okay which is really mm-hmm. heavy going but you know, <laughs> uh, but I, I quite like you know having sort of something Focus. which is going to really push my intellect yes. but yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah but uh, you know i think really that, that's the sort of mm-hmm. book I, what you're talking about richard i love i love reading things like that's accounts of people's yeah. epic adventures and things awesome and mm-hmm. finally why is being outdoors important to you um, well, after again, I think I think a whole period of being in the navy for over thirty years, and you're stuck in a warship. Yeah, and it's a tin can, literally. And then I left that, and I went to Bangkok, and yeah. I was stuck uh, every day beyond a computer. Yeah, and that just drove me mad. And yeah. it was then I realised I had to do something, which was to get out and to to get out into um um you know into wilds. And that's when I started walking weekends. Mm. 
and it was near the end of that. I, that's when I decided I needed to. When I finished, semi-retired, yeah. I was going to do something, and just carry on walking to get out and get the yeah. fresh air. And it it's done me the world of good. I think really, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I think Ray Mears always, always says that the three essential elements for, for human beings are food, shelter and, and warmth, keep mm. warm. But that's done from the out, outdoors environment. And I think the I think our natural place is being outdoors. Yeah. Sitting in a room in a, in a house like this is not a natural place to be, really. No. You know, you shelter at night to keep, yeah. keep the elements mm. off you. But generally speaking, you know, outside is where we should be. Yeah. And that's where we're most healthy, I think. Yeah, so. yeah. absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Mm. Agree. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for your time today, guys. Thank you. I've really enjoyed chatting to you both. Mm-hmm. And I'll put in the show notes the link to Moreland Guides in case anyone wants to uh, get in touch to book a walk. <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks, guys. Thank, Thank you very much. A big thank you again to Phil and to Richard for joining us to talk to us about their work with the Moreland Guides Cooperative. I really enjoyed that chat and I hope that you guys did too. Come back again in a fortnight for our last podcast episode before the Christmas break. Um, We'll be talking to Natasha and Tim from Asper and Lung UK all about air pollution and clean air and what we can do. So that should be a really fascinating uh, conversation. Thanks for listening. And as always, don't forget to rate us, subscribe, share, tell your friends about us so that more people can listen to the podcast. Thanks for listening.